0: Good morning again. By the way, you just call me PT. That's my nickname. I think I got that the second day I was here. So just call me PT and I'll, I'll answer you. If you have your Bibles open to Romans 15, that's our text for this morning. United, together on mission. The world, and even our own country, is divided. All you have to do is watch the news or look at social media and you will find a wide range of opinions and beliefs on things that really matter and things that don't really matter at all. You see, division is one of Satan's prime strategies to combat the effectiveness of the local church. It involves creating discord and conflict among its members. And what I love about the New Testament, it does not hide the fact that there was trouble in the early church. For example, in the book of Acts, we read about an advancement after advancement after advancement in the, of the gospel. Yet, hand in hand with each achievement and victory, there was also conflict. In Acts chapter 6, there is a conflict over the perceived unfair treatment of minorities and the neglect of widows. And this would lead to what we consider the first selection of the first deacons. Then in Acts chapter 9 there's discord over allowing Saul to minister to the church. Now, before he was Paul, he was Saul and he persecuted the church, he killed people. And they were a little hesitant about it. And then in Acts chapter 11 there's this unity over Peter winning a Gentile to Christ. That's just three examples you can find. Uh, The Bible does not necessarily paint a rosy picture about the early church. They had struggles and conflicts just like you and I do. But the key thing is is to remember that how we handle disagreements and problems will arise. Perhaps you've already had one happen yesterday. I guarantee you one thing, there will be one sometime this week, one way or the other. It happens all the time. But how we handle those makes all the difference. It's vitally important that we seek to live in unity. Discord, conflict, and division will keep many people away from hearing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. After all, they have enough going on out there. Why would they want to come to the church and have it here as well? Jesus prayed not only for his disciples, but for you and I. In John chapter 17, verses 20 and 21, he prayed, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, referring to the disciples, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as I, you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. He was praying for you and I that we be together in unity and in the text today, we see how we can do that. Look back in verse 1. Now, we who are strong ought to bear, or have an obligation to bear, the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Now, in the previous chapter, chapter 14, there was an issue about ceremonial unclean food. And so the more mature in the faith, so I have no problem with that anymore. I've been set free from the ceremonial obligations. I can eat that, but it was making other people to stumble, the less mature in the faith. So he's reminding them, even though you might be more mature, don't don't make those stumble, the ones who are weaker. And you're still under the obligations of love. It's not enough that those who are stronger of their faith put up with those who are weaker, but we are to bear their weaknesses. Rather than insisting in having their own way, we need to be supportive of those who are not mature as we are. And there's a temptation to pay little attention to this. You're in a room full of people now and all week that are on different levels of their spiritual journey with Christ. Not everyone's at the same place, by the way. We're all headed towards the same goal, but we're on different parts of that road. And by the way, no matter where you're at on that road, there's always something new to learn and to apply. There's always something to apply to ourselves because we call this sanctification. That's becoming more like Christ every day. Hopefully today I'm more like Christ than I was yesterday. At continual denying of self to be more like Christ We must give up our perceived rights so that others may be helped. Do not do this as a burden, but as a blessing. Mature believers have an obligation to help younger Christians grow in their faith. And I'm going to try not to chase a rabbit here. In Southern Baptist life, what this church is, or in Baptist life in general, let's just say church in general here in America, we have lost the idea of discipleship. I mean, coming to Christ and giving your life to Christ, that's great. Being baptized is an is a outward sign of what's already happened. But that's just the beginning of it. It's not you get your fire insurance and walk out the door. That's just the beginning of the journey of becoming more and more like Christ. Look at verse 2. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. And once again, the goal is to make disciples stronger in the faith, mature Christians, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24 and 33, that no one seek his own good but that of his neighbor, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many. Why is that, Paul? So that many may be saved. You may be the only Jesus someone sees this week. And I've, this is my first impact experience. But I've heard stories how you're out there working on a house and someone's going out Walk out and ask you, why are you doing this as 100-degree heat? That is a wide-open door to tell them about Christ. We're doing this because we love Jesus, and Jesus loves you. See, that, that defiles them out there. Because in the world, it's always about me, me, me. But you're doing something. You're denying yourself for this week, and you're doing something for them. That blows their mind. A wide-open door. Speaking of Christ, in verse 3, he says... He's our example. Look what it says. For even Christ did not please himself, but as is written, the reproaches or insults of those who reproached you or insulted you fell upon me. Now he's quoting Psalm chapter 69, verse 9 there, and he's showing us that the great example of self denial is Christ. Even when I'm preaching, I have to die to myself and uplift Christ. As John would say, I must decrease, but he must increase. There's nothing I can say to you that will change your mind or change your heart. Only the Holy Spirit, only God can do that. I don't think we should have laws in this country, but one problem Congress doesn't seem to get is that laws by themselves can't change a human heart. You cannot legislate morality. It has to come from God himself. So the point being here in verse 3, if the Son of God did not order his life as to please himself, do what he wanted, how much more should we forego what we want to do and to follow the path of the suffering servant? Do you realize that he, he was God the entire time, but he laid down all the privileges of doing that? There is a, uh, I know a little humorous joke I know about that. You may have heard this, but there was a young man, he was in high school, a junior, and he didn't have a car, and he went to his dad and said, Dad, I, I'd like to save up for a car. Could you help me? And I'll get half and you get half. He goes, okay, son, but there's three things I want you to do. He goes, I want you to get involved in a youth group, become the leader that God wants you to be. I want you to get more involved in your school, bring up your grades, and by the way, whatever you do, please get a haircut. Son says, okay. He goes about his business, about... Five months later, a son comes back and says, Dad, I've done all that you asked. And the dad said, yes, you're right. You're stepping up. The youth director said, man, he is really stepping up. He has led two people to Christ. He really knows it. And the teachers are all glowing about how you're achieving academic success in their class. But son, you still haven't gotten your hair cut. He said, well, Dad, I've been thinking about that. And Jesus had long hair. To which the dad replied, yeah, but he walked everywhere he went. (laughs) So just be careful what you ask for. Mark 10, verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You know the story in the upper room? Jesus, girding an apron, knelt down took the sandals off the disciples and washed their feet. I'm not really encouraging you to do this, but here's a great way to put it. After you go out and work all day, hot, tired, sweaty, pull off someone's foot in their socks and wash their feet. That's about as close as I can get as a good illustration. You know, Dr. Tony Evans, senior pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship, put it this way. In Revelation, God discloses His truth. Through inspiration, He sees that it's recorded for us. And by the illumination of His Spirit, He enables us to understand and apply it. And when you get all this working in your life, you'll be growing in a mature relationship with Christ. So other words, reads the Bible, that's a Revelation. You have the Holy Spirit that illuminates Scripture for you, understanding, you do that. If you have that going, and you understand it and you apply it then you're going to grow as a Christian and it's always baby steps I had no idea I was going to be a preacher one day my first baby step was getting up and speaking in front of people pastor that's great here's the announcements here do them and I had to read people's names for their birthday and I was terrified I was when someone's name wrong I'm back there, and he's, there was a chair about right here where his monitor's at. He could speak to me, but only he, he and I, I only could hear him. No one else could hear him. Hey, brother, what's wrong? You're nervous? Your net is getting red. Would you stop it? But I understand what he was doing. Get me ready to get up in front of people and speak. A lot of people are afraid to do that. But that's this one baby step. And I'm going to encourage you God's going to push you out of your comfort zone, He's going to put you in situations you're going to be scared. Rely on the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so important that you pray, ask the Holy Spirit for guidance and trust Him. And I'll tell you, you'll be different. And you will grow. Look at verse 4. Forever what was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. That was only relevant back when the Scriptures was written and the early church read them, but it's still relevant. It's still applicable and important today. That's because Scripture speaks to our deepest needs. And it's through the endurance that's taught in Scripture and the encouragement that it brings that we are enabled to live in hope. And this does not encourage us to get that, to get the perseverance and endurance, but look to God who gives them. Look at verse 5. He's the God who gives perseverance and endurance. So rely on Him. And I know the adults in here are going to tell you, you need to pray before you go out every single day and ask God to guide your steps. Me and my wife, we get in the truck and we go to work or we're coming here wherever we're doing. The first thing we say is, God, forgive us for our sins. We pray for our kids. And then we say this, God, help us to be your witnesses today. You never know who you're going to run into or who you might see. And that could definitely be a divine appointment that God has for you. The difficulties of the day are bearable because we read in God's word. Hey, where are we going, by the way? What's the end goal of this? Where do you want to go in the end? Is not a trick question. Where do you want to go? Yeah. You want to go to heaven? You guys don't sound very convicting. We may have altar call right now, brother. Yeah, we want to go to heaven, right? So through that encouragement, we know what happens in the end. That gives us the ability to live in hope. Because we know something better is coming. I've told the congregation this many, many times, but in heaven there's going to be no sin whatsoever. Completely eradicated. No jealousy, no backbiting, no favoritism. What's that look like? I have no idea. Can you imagine such a place? But I look forward to it. See, God his word mediates his comfort and encouragement by speaking his word to the hearts hearts of receptive believers. And if you separate yourself from scripture, you're turning a deaf ear to your heavenly father who's anxiously wanting to console you every step of the way. Read the word. Study the word. Apply the word. Look, he says in verse 5. Now, may the God who gives you perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one accord according to Christ Jesus. Now, some translations render that allow you to live in harmony. Now, we're not to give up different skills that we have and all become uniform. That's not unity. But it's talking about a unity of perspective, a unity of a worldview. view. And that perspective or perception is that of Christ. He is our model for our conduct, our ethics. We are to think as he does. We are to put on his values and priorities in our lives. Harmony requires endurance. Someone who is not deterred from their intentional purpose, even in the face of the worst trials and most difficult suffering. Having a single-mindedness the great commission if we're being pulled in so many different different directions how are we going to do that we have to have that single mind all of you have different gifts but you're going out there why what's impact stand for exactly but if you're constantly not in unity about that message you'll be pulling different directions you can't achieve that goal we must keep the main thing, and the main thing, and how do you do that? Where well, harmony requires encouragement. And the best to understand encouragement, break it down to two words in English: N, E-N, and then courage to fill one'self with courage. It's been described as long obedience in the same direction. Well, if that requires courage, how do we receive that? Harmony requires prayer. Prayer that God would give you single minded, lasting, courage filled devotion to the Great Commission. I hope that's your prayer this week. Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38. Jesus speaking, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, it proceeds the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. You may have an opportunity to lead someone to Christ this week. Maybe you're here. You don't know why you're here. Maybe you've run from God, and God is now calling you home. Or perhaps you don't have no idea who this Jesus is. Listen with an open mind and an open heart to the Spirit of God. And before I move six into the conclusion of this, I'm going to make a point by way of illustration. You may see I'm getting off the message here, but I'm not. Just bear with me. How many of you like riding roller coasters? Uh, I used to, but the older I get, the more I can't tolerate them anymore. But, you know, it's amazing to me to go to Six Flags, a 100 plus degree road, right in line with a bunch of people who sometimes don't know how to put their owner in on. Just saying. (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. And they have a bottle of water that costs you $10. So you're waiting in line, and you get in that coaster. You see the coaster, right? You see the loops and the turns, the corkscrews, so on and so forth. And you're waiting to get on that roller coaster. You finally get there. You get in the seat. The lap bar comes down. You Release out of the station. You make that turn. And then the clickety-clack starts happening, right? The chain. And as you start going up the hill, one thought crosses your mind. It didn't look that high from down there. I hope they did maintenance and as that train comes across top of that hill and it starts to go and you hear some people start to scream here you go and as you go down that first hill you're scared but you're thrilled and excited all at the same time right you feel the, the force of the speed, the G-forces as you go through the turns, maybe some zero Gs as you go up and down the hill, you come out of your seat a little bit, and you're thrilled and excited all at the same time. And then you come back, where do you end up at? Right back to where you started. Back in that same station, but you get off on the other side of the coaster. right? But my point being, you're right back where you started. Now, likewise, impact. I've heard a lot of good things about impact. Don't treat it like a roller coaster. In other words, you're gonna have fun. It's gonna be thrilling and scary all at the same time. You're gonna have a great time. But at the end of the week, don't be like a roller coaster. You get off and get back to where you started all over again. Make it a lifelong application. Not just this week, but the rest of your life. Go home with it, what God has taught you. Don't end up where you started. God loves you, yes he do, but he also loves you so much not to leave you where you're at. I believe we have lost in here. I believe we have future preachers in here. I believe we have future Sunday school teachers in here. I see future leaders as I look out here. And even now, some of you are feeling that tug on your heart. But the decision is yours. Look how he ends at the conclusion. Why do all this? It's in the Greek called a henna clause. In order that, or so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christian unity produces a symphony of praise to God. My youngest daughter, she can pick up any instrument and play it. It's very musical. I've been to many concerts. And the orchestra gets in there and they tune every instrument to the oboe, the note of A. Way back centuries ago they used a the tuning for it, but now they use the oboe. And every instrument tunes their instrument to that, to that same source. Because if they don't, and they tune to what they hear, when they start to play, it sounds terrible. Everybody's off. But when they tune it to that one instrument, everybody has that same tune. When the L orchestra begins to play, you can hear the woodwinds over here, you can hear the low brass over here. You can hear the percussion all playing different parts, but it's all in unison, and it sounds so beautiful. Wow, that sounds great. Likewise, we all come from different backgrounds in here, right? Different education levels. Some of us live in different parts of Texas, some out of state of Texas. All of us with different spiritual gifts and skills. But when we tune ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ and we point our life towards that goal and all that diversity becomes beautiful unity. As all of us working together, not one part more important than the next, everybody doing what God's called them to do, working together, it's a beautiful symphony to God. As we strive together they take out to the world the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to use a quote from a preacher from a long time ago, Charles Spurgeon, he would say, "When you do that, you become part of the everlasting oratorio of the orchestra of the sky." That is my prayer for all of you here this week. All of you doing different projects, doing different things, but with one accord and with one voice you are declaring who Jesus Christ is. Do you know who he is? Have you confessed your sins? Confession means it's to agree with God. And I've said this many times. All of us are sinners in this room. I can prove it very easily. How many in this room have ever told a lie? You're not raising your hand now. You're telling a lie. One of the ten commandments, do not bear a false witness. Have you ever gotten mad? Someone cut you off in traffic, and you may have used the Lord's name in vain. Take the holy God, his holy name, and use it as a filthy, profane word. Have you ever done that in anger? Well, I've done that. I know you guys are that's taking the Lord's name in vain. That's none of the Ten Commandments. And the book of James tells us, as we break one of them, we break them all. And the Bible also tells us the wages of sin is death. If I stand before God and I've broken his law, which we all have, will I be found guilty or innocent? Where will I go? You don't want to say that too loud, do we? But Jesus paid my debt. full, and I'm debt free because of him. The book of Revelation it talks about God's judgment being a bowl, his wrath being poured out. You remember what the last thing Jesus said as he hung on the cross? It is finished. It's like he took that bowl of God's wrath that we deserved and drank it all down and turned it upside down and said, It is finished. So we desperately need a Savior. If you do not know him, In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come. You don't have to come to me. Go to one of your leaders. And give your life to Christ. Don't wait till you get cleaned up. Come as you are. And you won't find anyone here laughing at you or making fun of you. We'll come alongside of you or pray with you. And yes, we'll even cry with you if need be. This is what this week is all about making disciples. Perhaps you've done that. What's keeping you back? You know the Old Testament stories? Can you imagine being there at the edge of the Red Sea and the pillar of fire coming down to hold the Egyptians back and the Red Sea part and you cross on dry ground? Well, if I'd been there, I wouldn't have doubted. Oh, yeah, we've probably been with the rest of them. See, the God is the same God yesterday and today and tomorrow. And to ask a more personal question as we wrap all this up, are you tired just going through the motions? You know, insanity is described as doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Why not break that cycle? Why not do it? And say, you know, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't play church anymore. I want to experience this. God. God says if you seek him with your whole heart, he'll make himself known to you. And the congregation can tell you this. I always end my sermon this way. You can do all that. Nothing is stopping you but you. It all comes down to what you want to do. God wants you to come back. He loves you. His son died for you. He wants you in his family. What are you going to say? What's your response? I hope you answer in obedience to what God is calling you to do in this moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. And Father, I thank you for all the group that is here on impact. Thank you for the kids. I thank you for the adult leaders that took time to bring them here. And Father, we thank you in advance of what you're going to do this week as they go out and serve others in the name of Christ. Father, I pray even now that your spirit will continue to move, that you will search our hearts and search our minds. That Father, we would make sure that we're in good standing with you, that we have a relationship with you, that we hold nothing back. As we just sang, Jesus, you indeed paid it all and all to you that we owe. May we respond in the way that will bring your glory. Continue to move and continue to speak, O God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please?